Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks so much. It's great to be with you guys. Let me do a little introduction for those of you who don't know Chris. Chris and I met. It's Chris Keithley. We met in Texas at Southwestern Seminary in the fall of 1992. Both of us were driving school buses. and We both mm-hmm. probably have some stories to tell about our school bus driving days with the purple jackets. You still got your purple jacket, Chris? I do not have my purple jacket. <laughs> I don't either. While we, we, we both went to seminary, showed up single, we both met our wives there. Our wives then became good friends. Then we kept up through the years, remained, became closer and closer friends through the years. We consider Chris, Chris and Lisa two of our best friends. Uh, we love them dearly. They pastored different parts of the country. After serving the Lord various churches, they moved over to Israel, lived in Israel for a few years then moved to London, England, lived there for a couple of years, then returned to the United States where he is now pastoring a church he has started in Morristown, Tennessee, of all places. Now, this is such a small world. We're so grateful because now we get to see them uh, more frequently because Morristown is my wife's hometown. That's right. It's your soccer so, grounds. Yeah. And uh, they've got three daughters, Grace, Abigail, and Olivia. Chris, uh, anything else I want to add there? that I forgot about you that's significant other than you are a true Texan, my friend, mm-hmm. born and raised. Uh, that, that, that's a pretty good summation of who I am. <laughs> now you talked about him being a true Texan and Chris, I was hoping that you could tell us the story about how deep your love for Texas runs. And this is specifically in terms of one of the, the, the birth of one of your Children. Now, did I tell you this story, or was this a story he told from the pulpit here when he filled in for Chris me one Sunday? Chris told us this story when he filled in one time, so okay. I'd love for our audience to hear it. <laughs> well, it's actually two of my children. Oh, you did so, it uh, two times. We did it two times. We okay. It, yeah, both times. So uh, when we lived in Florida, I, I shared with my wife that, hey, it's important that we have our kids born in Texas because they need to be native Texans. Well, we realized we couldn't fly last trimester and we couldn't drive. So we found out LBJ's wife, when she had their, their kid, she brought in the dirt from, uh, from their ranch, from the LBJ ranch. This is and the president of the United born. States, right. LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Yeah. Ranch soil. So, uh, so we, what we did is, uh, we, Grabbed some dirt. People sent us dirt from Austin, Texas, and uh, we put the dirt under my wife when she had our second child, Abby, <laughs> and uh, the baby was born over Texas soil. So what we did <laughs> is we wrote the Texas House of Representatives and explained what we did, and uh, they actually put a motion and then made a law that uh, if someone is born over Texas soil in, quote, a foreign territory, which means in a place outside of Texas, right. they will from that point be deemed a native Texan. And they sent us a copy of the law, and they sent us the Texas flag that flew over the Capitol the day she was born. And then uh, we had our, our next child 11 and a half months later. So we walked in with the same thing of dirt, and the nurse was like, we remember you. <laughs> so, uh, so we've got... 
We've got three native Texans. One was born in Austin, Texas, and two were born in Florida, but we still have three native Texans. So now I know that Lisa lived, has lived all over growing up. Uh, was she born in Texas? No, she's, she's a North Carolinian. So you, 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 you married, but under your bed, I'm sure there's Texas dirt there so that she's, she sleeps as a, is this like the, you know, the new Testament Corinthians, she's sanctified because she's married to a true Texan. That's well, she said, you know, she wasn't born there, but she got there as fast as we could. Yeah. That's, so, a, that's a big saying down there too. We, uh, we now say Texas, and this is, this is hard for a Texan to admit, but Texas is our second favorite place in the world. And uh, when we retire, you know, we, we plan on retiring to our favorite place, not not our second favorite place. Yeah. And so it's also a Lone Star state. So uh, so I want to see be, if Rick can guess what you're talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about. I, I think I, I think I know. Can I take a stab at it? Yeah. You want to you want to return to Israel? I do. I did. Ah. Now tell us about the Lone Star part. Lone Star part of that. I didn't realize that it was like a Lone Star state. Well, the Israeli flag has one star on it. Right, the star one of star. Yeah, the yeah. Star of David. So, yeah, man, I'm kind of. I was slow thinking like that, this. but he said when he said Lone Star state, I was like, is there another state out there that is just one? So well, now I get it. Also, the nation of Israel called actually it's called both. All right, mm. great. So, uh, so we like those Lone Star places. Sounds like it. Awesome. That's that's so cool. Five and a half years of my life I spent in the great state of Texas, and I have much affection for that state. Um, so, all right. Well, Chris, we uh, we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your story. And so often we, uh, well, not so often, every single episode almost of this show, we have asked our guests to share their testimony of how they came to faith in Christ. And want to just ask if you'd begin there. Were you raised in a Christian home? Uh, you know, kind of give us your, your story. Amen. Yeah, I was uh, I was blessed in the fact that I was raised in a Christian home, and uh, my mom was a church librarian, and so uh, because she was a church librarian, I basically lived in the church. Hmm. Uh, you know, we would get up, and and you would think she was a full time staff member because uh, she was in the library all the time. So because of that, as as a young kid, I knew the staff, I had relationships with the staff, and uh, they were all very very gracious and. Uh, and I was drawn to grow in my faith at a young age. And uh, I'll never forget walking into my pastor's office. And I just said, hey, I'm, I'm kind of doing all the church stuff. I'm doing choir. I'm, uh, I'm doing RAs, if, if that dates me or anything. And uh, I'm doing all the things that you can do in church, but I don't know what the next step is. And he shared some things about uh, the next step and walking an aisle and and I was like, well, maybe this is a bravery thing. So I was like, you know, if God wants me to walk an aisle and stand in front of all these people and, you know, even get dunked, you know, if that's what I need to do next to show God I I, I want to follow him, great. So uh, when you say get I dunked, walk- that's Texan for getting baptized, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, well, and, and that's, but as a kid, that's how I saw it. I just, you know, it was just a bravery thing. So I literally just walked an aisle. And said, okay, I'm, you know, I've done this. I shook a lot of hands. I got baptized. And uh, it was just, you know, what's the next thing I can do for God? Right. Uh, a little later in life, though, uh, as, I was, as I was sitting in church, uh, the pastor of all things told a joke. 
And uh, the joke basically went, it was about a guy going to a costume party. And he was dressed up as the devil. And as he was walking to his costume party, it started to rain. So he ran for cover. And uh, the first place he ran to was, was a church. And as he opened up the door to get out of the rain, a big clap of thunder and lightning struck. And, and everyone turned around. And they see this guy dressed as the devil in the back of the church. And so the church clears, except for one person too scared to move. So he went up to apologize for interrupting the service. And uh, when he walked up to the guy, he, the guy said to him, uh, don't mess with me. I'm on your team. I'm just playing church. Oh. And uh, while the while the congregation laughed, it pierced me to the core. Uh, you know, I, I had all the stars beside my name for learning the verses of the day in Sunday school. And, and I had all the things that I was a good little church kid. And, and uh, you know, people thought, you know, I was a good church kid and a good Christian kid. Uh, the first was true. I was a good church kid, but I wasn't a Christian. But at that point, I realized that while I did church well, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, I just literally went to my pastor and mm -hmm. I just said, I'm lost. And uh, I want to know Christ. And my pastor, we knelt down together and and um, he shared what it meant to be a Christian and a follower of Christ and shared the gospel. And uh, and right then and there, I accepted Christ and uh, and followed him and began to realize more and more about lordship and and what it meant to have a personal relationship with him. So mm -hmm. I did the church thing for a while and then I did an actual uh, time of really coming to faith and, and following Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Um, Amen. So that's, that's, my, that's my conversion. Uh, How my old were you at that point, Chris? How old were you? I was, it was the summer before sixth grade. Okay. So, so uh, and then I, I was rebaptized, and uh, that, that was a special thing. And, and you know, for a while as, as a kid, I was, I was one of, I was one of these kids that uh, I was always scared that the uh, the rapture was going to happen without me. Right. And uh, I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys did if that if that's a church kid thing or not, but I mean, I was I was terrified. Uh, I'd walk into a room and I'd look and I wouldn't see my parents, and uh, yeah, you know, I'd walk around the house if I didn't see them. You know, I was I was worried. So I was always uh, in the back of your head, like, oh, I missed the rapture. Yep, I've been left behind. I've been left. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that, that was something that, you know, it, it was a constant fear. And, and I, you know, I prayed to receive Christ probably every night. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but when, when I, when I realized really who God was and his Holy Spirit convicted me and I responded to it, that's, that's when my life really was transformed. Mm. So uh, I'd gone through a lot of actions and stuff, but I guess it was when the Holy Spirit really revealed who Christ was and not mm -hmm. just saying a little prayer or, or being the church kid. Uh, that was my, my real conversion that I came to faith. So what happened after you became a believer? So tell us kind of chapter two from coming to Christ, yeah. sixth grade age, to I, showing up at seminary when I met you. I was, I was super blessed with... Uh, just a dynamic youth minister. Uh, he he really took an interest in us, and uh, and I was also blessed. There were some high school kids that, when I walked into the youth group as a seventh grader, um, that really kind of took me under their wing. 
they realized that I was I was pretty serious about my faith, and uh, one of the one of the juniors in high school started saying, "Hey, I'm going to go out and witness door to door." And he says, "Will you come with me?" And so here's this junior in high school, you know, driving around with a seventh grader, and we're going door to door, and he he discipled me and mentored me in how to share my faith and how to talk to a person that, you know, I really didn't know well and, mm-hmm. and, uh, just really mentored me and how, how that worked. And then, um, the, the church I was at allowed me to start preaching. And so in uh, ninth grade, uh, I started preaching a couple of times a year. Wow. Uh, we'd have Sunday and then just an alternate Sunday. And, you know, I think my, <laughs> my first sermon was, I think, you know, eight minutes long. And, uh, but the church was really, really gracious. And, uh, a lot of people in my congregations now would probably pray for an eight minute sermon. That's pretty rare, Chris. I, uh, I said, that's pretty rare. I, I rarely, I don't think I knew that about you And this. I'm so glad we're, we're doing this because I hardly have any friends I know who started preaching younger than I did because I started at 18 years old. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and then I was, we had a, we had a couple of churches in the area that our youth minister kind of networked and, uh, they had their youth Sunday. He actually, he said, Hey, I've got a, a high school kid that can come and preach. So I actually got to, uh, preach in some other venues and, uh, hmm. and, and go to those other churches and start preaching. And, and God was really drawing me, uh, to be a pastor, but I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I was passionate about the military. My dad had been in the military. My dad flew airplanes for the army back before, you know, they gave all the airplanes up. And, uh, that was my, that was my life's goal was to, uh, be in the, be in the army and, uh, serve in the army. And that was where I was headed. Hmm. So, uh, so I was doing ministry and, uh, and was committed, but at the same time, uh, my plan was to go to the West Point, and so I had uh, everything set up. I had talked with my congressman. I had mm. uh, everything ready to go. I was one point short on my uh, ACT and my my SAT. I think I was 50 points short mm-hmm. in math. Mm. And so uh, the congressman said, you know, hey, just take it again, and you're good to go. And uh, so I had pretty much told God that, you know, I'm I'm going to go in the military, and uh, if if you want me to be in the ministry, then what I'll do is uh, I'll be a chap. So right. you get your way, and I get my way. Right, right. We'll and, compromise on this, God. Yeah, you're bargaining, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, I was kind of telling God what my plan was, and He could join me if He wanted. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, uh, of all things, the summer between my junior and senior year, um, I was driving an ice cream truck of all things, and uh, as I was driving this ice cream truck. Um, I went to take a turn and hit the brakes and, uh, the brakes did not work. So, uh, started hitting the brakes quite a few times and there were no brakes at all. Oh. So, uh, in front of me was a giant propane tank. So, uh, I went ahead and just tried to make the turn in a top heavy ice cream truck and flipped an ice cream truck. So how many, how many people can say they flipped an ice cream truck? So, uh, <laughs> so, uh. You know, ice cream was everywhere. There was a little kid that uh, was a, one of my good friend's younger brother. He was with me and helped me out. And uh, 
I, I ran for help. And when I ran for help, uh, ran about half a mile and walked into a restaurant and, and, uh, I said, Hey, there's a kid down there that's hurt. Uh, y'all need to call the cops. And I just stuck my head into the sink and, and washed it. And a guy walked up and I said, how, how long is the cut? Cause I'm thinking it's a, it's a, you know, four or five inch gash. And he said, it's long, long. Where was and, this cut uh, at, Chris? Was, huh? Where, where did you, where was the cut? In my head. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I was like, will you take me to the hospital? And, uh, he's like, sure. And so we're walking to his car. This, this cop comes flying in. This is a little country town, uh, comes flying in, does this power slide, like, you know, Roscoe Pico train that, <laughs> That doesn't date me too much. Duke's a hazard. And I said, you, you need to lay down right now. You you could die. <laughs> so I'm going, well, wouldn't the hospital be a good place to go? But hey, I have a head injury, so uh you know, so I won't I won't uh I won't argue with the guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. So I laid there and as I laid there, uh God just spoke to me in a very, very clear voice. Mm. And uh and what I realized was this wasn't a time of bargaining. And what I mm. said is, I said, God, if, if I die today, I understand. Uh, if I'm not going to do your will and I'm not going to do your plan, there's really no reason for me to hang around. Mm. And if you want me to live, I've got the message. So it wasn't let me live and I'll do your will. Right. It was if I die, I get it. And if I live, I get it. So and you, uh, yeah, you weren't about to start bargaining again. You you learned your yeah, lesson, right? It it was a it was a real, it, and it was was awesome. Is you know, you know, we we want to think we'll be at peace when we face death, right? And uh, but I mean, I was I was at total peace, and I'm like, hey, I understand. Or if I if I live, I understand. It really wasn't a bargaining mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So um, so you know, I I just you know at that point, I literally surrendered. By you know, by being knocked down, I surrendered to the ministry, mm-hmm. and so I uh, went and uh, got to the hospital and found out it wasn't a six-inch gash; it wasn't an eight-inch gash; it was a twenty-inch, almost scalp. Whoa! Uh, it, was, uh, it was a half-inch short of a complete scalp. Holy smokes! And so uh, they uh, they put me back together and and sent me home and. Uh, and so at that point, I started changing directions. I, I no longer pursued West Point. I went to Baylor University, and uh, I was going to do a ministry of, of ministering to, to pastors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where I started. And so I went to got a degree in recreation so I could run a retreat for pastors and their wives and missionaries. And, uh, and from there, I went to Southwestern, and uh, I started in a counseling program and Again, God started convicting me. I said, I didn't call you into the ministry. I called you to the pastor. Uh, and uh, I'm doing ministry, and, and it's like I called you to the pastor. So I surrendered to the ministry, and then I surrendered to the pastor. There you go. And uh, have never really turned around. I, I, and I, I consider, you know, whether I, I minister in the United States or if I minister in foreign countries, uh, Hopefully, I'm I'm always going to be preaching the word, teaching the word, mm-hmm. and uh, making disciples. Just that's what we're called to do as Christians. Amen. So, and you know, it was during that that time at Southwestern that I I connected with Brett and uh, Lacey and uh, got to know them. 
Chris, thank you. That's amazing. We've been friends all these years. I don't remember anything about a ice cream truck tipping over and your your head injury as a result and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to tell just, us. I know. I think if if there's anyone else who's listening, everybody's wondering how the how the little kid turn out. He he is fine. He is fine. It it was <laughs> the the worst thing was uh, we lived in Texas and he had ice cream all over. <laughs> that's so the worst part. I'm, over, I'm sure that's the best car crash anyone's ever been in. It was like, oh, I got in the car uh, crash and now I got ice cream all over me. Well, what the the bad thing was he he had ice cream all over him. I ran for help, so he's laying on the ground with ice cream on him in Texas. Now, Brett, you lived in Texas for a while. What oh. happens if you take a person with honey or ice cream? Fire ants. Fire ants. Oh my goodness. Went, so when the the ER, you know, the EMT guys got there quickly, thank God, and uh, it wasn't his wound that bothered him. He was like, ants, ants. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, but he, he, you know, he jokes about it now, and he is fine, and we both healed completely, and, uh, but I lost my job. The the truck was gone, so. I guess so, and, and. Uh, I'm wondering about the inventory. Out. Did they do an inventory count? I mean, I can picture all these kids running around, free ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was it was a crazy thing. But, yeah, everyone everyone's all right. All right. So you went to Baylor, did four years at Baylor. And congratulations, by the way, this year, your Baylor Bears won the national championship in basketball. Amen. That was pretty exciting. So um, then you went to Southwestern Seminary. Um, I'm supposing you didn't meet Lisa, if I remember correctly, you didn't know her at Baylor. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I, I was already at Southwestern by the time she went to Baylor. So, uh, yeah. she's a little younger than I am, but I was working at, at centrifuge camp and okay. she was working day camp. So, uh, because she w- had a Baylor shirt on, I, I went up and introduced myself and didn't make a very good first impression. But uh, I was being very task-oriented about some stuff that was happening at Baylor. But uh, then I went back and apologized and asked her out, and God showed mercy and grace, and uh, a year later, we were married. Oh, that's awesome. I remember those days fondly. So you uh, got married at seminary. I remember you went off to Louisiana to pastor, and then from there... What came back to Texas? I guess was it? Yeah, I uh, I wasn't in Louisiana very long. We were there basically through seminary, and after I graduated, uh, probably six months after seminary, after I graduated, and then we moved to Austin, Texas, and just loved Austin. I mean, God just blessed. We learned a lot about community. It was a, really the first place that, when people talk about you know my brother or my sister, it made sense because I I saw people with that type of intimacy and friendship and the, the, the women and the men of the church that were older as parents. And so that, that was a really dynamic time in our life. We saw God move in a lot of ways and then had a contact from a church. You know, they said, Hey, would you be, you know, would you be interested in coming to Florida? And we're like, no, not really. And we thought that was the end of it. Then they contacted us again. And uh, my pastor growing up told me that if a church is contacting you and you're not pursuing them, you, you need to at least talk with them because uh, you don't want to shut doors. Mm. So uh, I, I listened to his counsel. And long story short, uh, we we went to Florida kicking and screaming. Yeah. Uh, hey, we loved our church, but we knew that's where God was calling us. Right. Yeah. Well, let's pause here in the story, and and we're unfortunately we're out of time. So I want to ask if you'd be so gracious to join us for next week's episode as well. So I'd love to. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been Chris Keithley telling his story. Uh, next week we'll have him finish his story, and then also he's going to share some things he's learned 
on his journey, and uh, I think it's going to be really beneficial for us as he and I have already kind of talked about the direction he wants to go with this. So um, mm-hmm. that'll be next week on Sound of Truth. enjoying this podcast please share with your friends thanks music is by canon and is used with permission this podcast is copyrighted by brett amorani 2021